Jolt. The Jolt. Jolt. This is The Jolt with Larry Flick on Sirius XMLQ. Billy Squire. Okay, if only you could have seen what went down in the studio. <laughs> Holy shit, man. Wow. So Bella Thorne just like exploded out of her chair and started um, throwing herself around the studio. <laughs> There's no other way to describe it. And nobody would dance with her because we were all just a little too self-conscious. <laughs> like, <laughs> but even her friend wouldn't dance with her. But she danced for most of the song. And then poor Rose McGowan walked in and was like, what the hell am I walking into? No, I love Billy Squire. I walk into, I walk into many things. Right. Many, many, many things. It was, a, it was, a, it was, a, she, that's a very cool young lady. And um, I liked her a lot. I love the fact she came in. She's all dolled up. Knocked off her shoes mm-hmm. and uh, put literally put her manky feet up on the counter so don't touch. <laughs> I haven't had a chance to de- to yeah. You know. I'm sure they're just fine. I'm sure they're just fine. So Rose McGowan <laughs> is joining us here on the Jolt. I'm Larry Flick. It's 31 past the hour. Uh, was, uh, we've been talking. I watched uh, watched uh, her directorial debut Dawn before we went on the air today, and I will say it's a it's a fine it's a great movie. You may want to have your coffee before you watch it. <laughs> Or after it depends. It depends. Well, I on needed how... a I needed a little extra coffee after. It's a very intense movie. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Congratulations. I, uh... So it's a it's a an official selection for the Sundance Film Festival, and um, and qualified for the Oscar this year. Did it? Yes, it did. That's they great. shut all women out, but besides that, <laughs> almost got there. Almost got so there. close. So close. So. <laughs> Damn those old white men. <laughs> Being an old white man. <laughs> <laughs> you are the scourge of society, sir. I'm, Thank I'm, you for what you've done for the planet. I well just, played, well played. <laughs> I'll just say some of us are gay, which means we're fabulous. Anyway. Uh, Everybody so, should be fabulous. Don't exactly. you think? I mean, if more people were just 10% more fabulous in their life, I think the world would change. I yeah. think if they... I think. If, just not to be afraid of being fabulous. That's the thing. Just don't be afraid. How period. about just just you know you would be ten percent more fabulous if you spent two percent more of your time being happy. I mean, but fabulous is happy, and when I mean fabulous, I mean freedom. I know. That's what I mean. It's but like I think are... if we change ten percent, like if everybody was like instead of asking the obvious question or saying the obvious thing, if we went one step deeper and everybody was ten percent more evolved, just a little bit, that's not asking much, including myself, the world would actually change. All you incredibly. have to do is pay attention. All you have to do is not give a fuck. Mm. Like, you, you realize that you're unfireable. You can be fired from a job. You can be fired from a situation. But you cannot be fired from being yourself. So how did you figure that out? Because I figured that out, but I, you know what happened to me, Rose McGowan? I had to have a fucking heart attack and bypass surgery before I figured that out. When did you figure that out? Well, probably around age three. How did you figure that out at age three? I was very specific as a child. I was terrified. <laughs> I terrified people. I terrified adults. But I see. I here's the thing. I because don't... I never would sell myself out to make anybody's life easier. And I would not like. It's like Mandela said something about you know to the paraphrasing, like about don't dim your light to make others feel like they're shining brighter. Mm. And I wouldn't do that. And I was in a lot of situations where like I was. I went from Italy to backwoods Oregon, where everybody's going, "You're the ugliest thing I ever seen." I'm like, I'm pretty sure you're wrong. Also, I don't like your shoes. But like <laughs> it was. 
constant uh, onslaughts and like I had a carry moment with somebody like hitting me out of like this kind of butt rocker car like with uh, a Pepsi liter bottle sawed off on top sorry and had like doused me with their spit chew so like I know freedom from the the part where people are trying to oppress you Mm -hmm. and trying to stamp out what's interesting about you and what's free about you and I just refuse to ever have that bent and you know or bent maybe occasionally at times but not broken and, you know, it's like those things with that stand outside of the car dealerships waving their arms, those inflatable things. You might get knocked over, but it pops right back up. You just have to be willing to get back up. So you're, you are then what could have been done if you had, had not had that awakening at a young age. Um, I based Dawn really, it was kind of on my mother's uh period. And uh, I mean, she was a little bit later on, but I was always fascinated by women in the 60s had such a tough go of it because you got to figure they're coming in from these post-war era mothers and this fake idea of candy-coated perfection. And then like they're programmed basically to please men in all ways and do your house, do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. All these little rules and big rules. And then all of a sudden, five years later, the sexual revolution happens. And hey, mama, you're not cool unless you're sleeping with all the guys. But meanwhile, you've been programmed to please men. It's a really schizophrenic time for women. And I was, I've always been fascinated by that decade in history for, for a lot of reasons, for civil rights, for, for, for women's rights. I mean, there's so much that went down that started going down. And it, it's just a real big schism. And I wanted to shine a light on that. The movie, uh, by the way, as I mentioned, is called Dawn, and it takes a look at one young woman and what happens when she gives in to repression. It's it's more just it's kind of like what we do to young women and what mm-hmm. we do to daughters so unwittingly. And there's an interview that she reads by Tab Hunter, who at the time would have been like Leo DiCaprio, Titanic era fame. And a pinup boy and beautiful. And she's reading a real magazine interview in the movie about how she should act on a date. And he's like, no one likes a pushy girl. And I like girls that ask questions, but not too many questions. Of course not. You're in the closet, Tab Hunter. And then another person she mentions in the movie is Rock Hudson. That's the movie she wants to see. So her two, the two mentions I make of men in it are, are ones that were heavily in the closet. So they had this kind of forced steroid idea of what masculinity was supposed to be because they were living in secret Mm -hmm. which is really tragic in its own way but it's also really damaging so any little girl that picked up that article that's trying to figure out how to behave with boys is now having her mind shaped and it's kind of what we do accidentally in little tiny doses every single day that warps a girl's mind and takes away her abilities to have her natural self-defense system kick in her natural instincts for self-preservation are muted by no but I have to be and even now like, no, I don't want to be rude. Why not? It's okay. The person will survive. If you have bad juju from someone or bad vibes, so many, I mean, I know girls who've been raped because they said to the guy like three times, no, I don't need help carrying my groceries. You're just being one of those feminists. Let me carry your groceries. Mm-hmm. You're right. Okay, fine. And they had a bad feeling and the guy comes to their apartment and rapes them. So how would you, how would you have told this story in 2015? I did tell the story in 2014, and I made it into a film from 1961. But how would you place right. these people? I think I would in... do it exactly the same. Yeah, I don't think there's much that's changed. Frankly. You don't. Th- you don't think that she would have acted differently? In I, we, I don't want to give it away. She would have had a cell phone, maybe, but yeah. she wouldn't have had reception. No, but would she? <laughs> would she has been as compliant? Do you think? Yes. If it's a boy, if you are a sheltered girl. And it's a boy that it's your first time and he's kind of titillating and he's sweet looking enough 
that the predatory nature is kind of pushed down and he's gentle looking enough and gentle acting and the thing with predators is and we know this for people that prey on boys people that prey on girls Mm -hmm. you know they they you're lonely huh i can take you there you're you know no one tells you you're beautiful i'll you're beautiful like they just mess with your mind right and that that's goes on now too with with all victims it's grooming do you do you do you think that that the um the the advent of of constant consumption media consumption um has would would don be would would that have changed don because i mean the 60s were limited you had very limited right. access to things it completely depends on how she was raised yeah you know i didn't see tv for the first 9 years of my life cuz i was raised in a commune like so it just it's all dependent mm. on how you're raised so i wasn't actually formed by pop culture like never seen Star Wars. There's so many things that like I missed in pop culture even later just because my family wasn't, we were only taken to uh, like classic films, to see classic film revivals. Like, So I missed a lot of pop culture stuff too. So it really depends on the situation, but the themes are the same. And you know, like you read Cosmo and it's telling you how to be on a date. Like what's different? Stop true. telling me what to do. Very true, very true. So Rose McGowan joining us here on The Jolt. The movie is called Dawn. It's her directorial debut. Um, if you go to uh, YouTube, uh, Rose uh, has a, a YouTube channel, and you can watch it there. It's, uh, I put it out for free. I want to promote free art and free thought. Absolutely. So what is the um, – um, uh, most people do short movies as uh, – A way to do a bigger movie. Well, not necessarily to do a bigger movie, but they, there's an intention. The end point isn't the end of that movie. It's never the end point of that movie. What does your end point look like? That is the end point. To I make wanted a bigger to movie. No, no. I'm doing a total, I am doing a feature in October upstate New York, but it's mm-hmm. a totally different movie. I actually wasn't trying to make a short film. I just wanted to make a film, and it happened to be 19 minutes long. I was actually really inspired by Hemingway. Um, his edit style in his books is how I approach the editing in my movie. Like, very spare. I mean, very unsparing. Like, hard cuts. Not hard in the movie, but, like, hard choices. Take out what you don't need. Take out the extra. Take out the fluff. Drive to the point. Very economical. Very economical, but beautiful and gentle with air and space. But this movie, like, I was inspired by... He gave his friends, I believe, his, his writer friends, an exercise. Um, let's see if we can write a full story in six words. And it was his was baby shoes for sale, never worn. That's a full story. So I was really quite inspired by that idea. And I was like, can I tell a full movie in under 20 minutes? Okay, let's go. Let's see. That's very, very, very daunting. It, it is not easy. And it's, it's not easy to choose the moments. And I think a lot of films... You know, I could have made that an hour and a half, but I could have also made it 19 minutes, and, which is what I did. How, how did your, your, the information you carry as an actor uh, inform the editing? Well, it's not just the information I carry as an actor. You have to understand, I'm a person who's worked on sets for off mm-hmm. and on for 17 years. That's, that's not just the part of acting. Um, what I carry is how to be a filmmaker, and I know what to do. I have grown up on sets, literally, and I know it from getting the money for a project to being on the cover of Rolling Stone. I have an education that very few people will ever, ever have. So for me, what I can do with other actors, directing-wise, is I can almost show them an emotion that I want on my face. Like I can actually, not a line reading, not telling them how to deliver the line, but I can 
make my body posture go in a way to express what I want. And so I definitely have a shorthand with actors. Um, as far as on the set, uh, I've always been a bit of a little general, so that works for me. I'm always kind of the <laughs> de facto leader of the crew, and, and, and people will go for whoever, you know, kind of the alpha personality is. But also somebody who knows how to run a set with equanimity, respect, treats people very well, but wants to work harder, faster. Is it the, the, what, what I was getting at, and, and all of that answers what I was asking, but I'm going to ask a little bit okay. further, is um, the, the, what I think of as the information an actor carries is a certain kind of emotional empathy yes. of, of what you've seen a person put into a performance that an editor is going to say, nah, nah. How do, you, how do you deal with, that's a duality. That's well, I sit with the editor and I make him do what I want, so that's not that hard. But I know but, what you're saying. But you I know see what, what I'm saying. saying. I know what you're saying completely. But it's, it's not their choice. And actually, editors are usually artists also, hopefully. And they see, my editor had never done a narrative, um, but he's so, so talented. I, I use a lot of people that actually aren't in the film world. Um, specifically, they're more in commercials, music videos, because they're a bit more progressive and try a lot of different styles, and and they're just kind of a little bit more on the forefront of technology a lot of times. Um, but for me, it's like I can do narrative, I can explain emotion, and I can explain that like there's a moment when Don, the girl, goes, "I like your dress," and Don turns and like fingers her collar, like for a tiny second, but that builds a character. Sure. And that those are the kind of things I can transmit. Very interesting. Very very interesting. Um, do you just even your in your walk a day mind? Do you know what happens to the uh, three people? We're not giving it away because I want people to experience this movie the way I did and go what, um, which was fun. Uh, but do you know what happens to those three people after? In my head, yes, they go on quite the car journey. They go on quite the road trip. Yeah, a road trip. Yeah, on the lamb. Ish. Yeah. Ish. Okay. Very interesting. Because it was loosely based on Charlie Starkweather, who was a thrill killer in the 50s, who Badlands was based on Terrence Malick's film. Mm -hmm. And so the character's name is Charlie, even though his name's never said. But it's, it would, that would be the natural progression, would be, I think, a road trip. It's funny because I was watching the movie, and, and without giving the last line away, the most potent moment of the movie is the last line for me. Thank you. That's cool. I like um, that. Uh, <laughs> And people have mirrored that. There were people like that have committed crimes recently. I've read that said that exact thing. And Charlie Starkweather, that thrill killer, said the exact, yeah. that it's, exact it's line. It's the last line. And it fucks with you so deeply that I almost wonder if you knew that for that last line before you knew the first. I did because, actually, I was originally doing a different short film, a different um, story, and I lost the rights. But I had the locations. And so I locked the writers. Thank God for them. They're amazing writers. I put them in a room at a hotel for two days. And I said, these are my four locations. This is the last line that I need. Go. And it was built around the last line. Because it really is sort of the ultimate. How interesting that you picked that up. But it is the whole thing is built around it's the last line. It's built around that one line. Because it's the ultimate, like, fuck you, dude, when you're watching the movie. I mean, and I say that in a really powerful way. Because it is not. You're watching the movie, and there are certain things that you can you you allow you your brain can see coming. Well, the thing is, I actually put the end in the beginning. 
Ah. I put it right there. Not the last line, but I put some of the yes, end right did, in the actually. beginning. Yeah, so I you... didn't trick anybody. And I no, think and what not, I wanted to do was imprint not trickery. them. It's not right. trickery as much as it's... Like you, you don't want it to be so. Well, I mean, you can kind of... You, know, you watch the movie and, and some, there are some, certain things that are, are um, not hard to imagine, right? You meet this girl and you think, okay, nothing good is about to happen to this girl because of the, the framework says something is going to change her. We don't know if it's going to be violent. We don't know if it's going to be sexual. We don't know if it's going to be good. It probably is not going to be good because that's not as dramatically satisfying to anybody involved. So something's going to happen. Someone's going to learn something. Go. That's how I was. That's how I was. I, I, I responded it to it. So I'm like, okay. So I'm watching this and I'm thinking, and I see this this guy, and I'm like, yeah, no, don't trust him. <laughs> no. No, don't. Try. And so I'm watching it, and I'm watching it, and I'm thinking, I think I've got this figured out. I'm enjoying it, but I think I've got it figured out. And then you get to the last line, and I'm like, oh, and I did. I actually sat here right at that screen where I watched it, right there, but I'm pointing at at 6 a.m. this morning and said, fuck you, Rose McGowan. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's my favorite review I've ever gotten. That's literally the most honest review I've ever had. Fuck you, Rose McGowan. I did. I, I was like, that. I was I like, carry that with really? <laughs> Really, yes. right now? I'm like, I will punch you in the stomach, motherfucker. <laughs> Don't think I, I like... won't. <laughs> and then... I'm like, you want to take a journey? Let's take a journey. Let's I, was, I was like, fuck you. This and then bitch. I said something else, but I can't say it on the air because it, it would be inappropriate on a variety of ways. Did you call me the C word? No. <laughs> it's a little too plot driven. Ah, uh, yes, okay. But, uh... <laughs> I'm like, is that what are you guys not allowed to say? Do tell. No, is no, I, I don't want to get. I don't want to give the movie I want, away. I want you not to either. And thank I want you so to, much. No, I because, love fuck you, Rose McGowan. The other favorite one I had was somebody in Sundance at Sundance after it um it opened Sundance, which was a huge honor, and to get in there as a director, oh my god! But this lady after a screening was like, I wanted to vomit. I said, thank you. Yeah, because and I'm like, dude, I have to eat my breakfast now. She's coming in in a couple of. Damn. <laughs> this bitch. This bitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So some of us some of us old school queens when we're like talking about someone we're like this, this bitch. bitch. This bitch. <laughs> hey, I say that. This bitch. And many other I say and that in many other things. <laughs> so so obvious question, you're gonna be spending more time uh, making movies than acting yeah. in movies. Yeah. yeah? It's your, it's, the you, feature I'm directing is called The Pines, and we're supposed we're slated. You never know, but fingers crossed that we roll at the end of October. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's upstate New York, and it's set in 1971, so I'm getting a little more modern. And it's um, a so girl from a, in a mental institution. They make her leave the mental institution um, because she can't prove that she has anything wrong with her. But she feels very safe there because her mother committed suicide, yada, yada. So then oh, my she God. Can we out. give you a cookie, like, I immediately? <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, right, right. Like, just something happy. I don't, I don't traffic in happy people, okay? Just like a yodel. Let's bring it down. I ca- I'm the karaoke death slayer because I do karaoke and I sing the song that everyone's having a happy time and then I come on and it's slit your wrists <laughs> I love it I do like Patsy or something something really oh maudlin my. oh my god I love it I love it I love it I love it I love it, I love it. cupcake with sprinkles you know I'll, I'll probably I don't know I mean you know Billy Wilder who's a hero of mine a hero um, he said that when he made his darkest films his most sardonic and sad films he was at his happiest in his life and then when he made his comedies he was at the saddest points in his life 
Makes so I'm at a really sense. happy point right now, so I can only make tragedy, you see. It makes perfect sense because, honestly, the it's funniest... It's written on the wind. The funniest stuff, I usually people tell me I'm funniest when I'm raging, so yeah. Right. So let's, let's, let's all... You got your soapboxes, too? I got those. Oh. I'm like, and how? Honey, I got four hours to fill. <laughs> I'm always, yeah, that's a very good point. I, was I got four up, hours. I used to stand on a soapbox, literally, in Seattle um, when I was 11. I saved up my allowance to print flyers against the Ayatollah Khomeini of Iran. And with a bullhorn, would hand out flyers about his mistreatment of his people and women and children. Oh, my goodness. I was goodness. the weirdest. I don't know what made me think of that. Your, bo- your soapboxes. <laughs> I'm just reflecting on the weirdness of, you know, Isn't being the greatest stuff? a freedom fighter, really. Good for you. I learned from my dad. He was an I activist. Love I love it. Rose oh. McGowan, please come back and see us yes. again. So I can say to you again, fuck you, Rose fuck McGowan. You. <laughs> I, 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 you're the only person I want to say, like, fuck you, Rose McGowan. Normally that would get a slap or a punch, but with you, darling, I'll give you a kiss. See? The movie is called Dawn. It's available on Rose McGowan's YouTube site. It's... It's 19 minutes. It's really good. Very powerful. The last line. Remember it. Stick around. There's more to come.